One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast contains violence, adult themes, and material that may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. True North True Crime is produced on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. A tragic end in the search for Trina Hunt. Nearly three and a half months after she was reported missing, homicide investigators confirmed that human remains found in Hope on March 29th are those of the 48-year-old Port Moody woman who had been missing since January. Previously, Port Moody police said they did not believe foul play was involved in her disappearance. Now, a statement from IHIT says foul play is suspected in her death and the team has reclassified the case as a homicide. On January 18, 2021, when the story hit the news, many people in B.C. stopped and stared at their screens in disbelief. How could a 48-year-old woman from an affluent neighborhood in the quiet community of Port Moody, British Columbia, suddenly go missing? Her husband said that when he went to work that morning, she was in bed. But then, when he came home later that afternoon, she was gone. Her keys, wallet, phone, and car were all left at home. The front door was said to be unlocked. In the months that followed, online speculation grew. On May 1st, 2021, when human remains discovered in Hope, British Columbia, were identified as the missing woman, the online speculation changed to grief and a call for justice. This is the suspicious death of Trina Hunt. And this is True North True Crime. And welcome to episode 24 of True North True Crime. Thanks for joining us. And speaking of thank yous, we want to start out today by thanking some people for buying us coffee this week. If you're new to True North True Crime, we are an independent and self-funded podcast that brings awareness to missing people and victims of violent crime. So a big thank you to Jesse, Dwayne Ryan, Tiffany Collins, Crystal Wakelin, Jerry Lynn Rempel, Tazanifa, Emily L., and Jason Dallas for buying us coffee this week. It's listeners like yourself that keep us caffeinated so we can research and record. If you would like to buy us coffee, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash TNTCpod. It can be a one-time donation 
Or if you would like to be an honorary producer of our podcast, you can choose the $5 a month option. Emily L. and Jason Dallas both chose that option, and we welcome them aboard the True North True Crime team. If you would like to connect with us, feel free to give us a follow on our social media at TNTCPod on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. One last announcement before we get into this episode. We just surpassed 200,000 downloads last week, and we are absolutely floored and grateful. When we started this podcast last year, we had no idea how it would be received, so we just really want to say thank you. Tonight we are talking about the disappearance of Trina Hunt. This is a story that we have been paying close attention to. We have actually been working on this episode for quite some time, but we held off as this has been a very fluid situation. Sadly, this has changed from a missing person case to a murder investigation. On May 1st, 2021, RCMP announced that they had positively identified Trina Hunt's remains. Our hearts go out to Trina's family, friends, and the online community who have been fighting for justice since she disappeared. We know that this news was devastating and not the outcome that any of us wanted. We hope that this episode will help in finding justice for Trina. So for those unaware of this story, it's been major news in British Columbia. We want to acknowledge that there has been a lot of online engagement about this story. A lot of people have been emotionally impacted by Trina's story, including ourselves. There is a very active Reddit group and Facebook discussion group where many theories have been discussed. There is a lot of information coming out of these groups. Some of it is helpful, some of it is questionable, but we know that their intentions are good. They are a group of people who were initially looking to help to find Trina as a missing person, and like us, they now want to see an arrest and a prosecution in this case. Like we said, this is a very fast-moving and fluid situation that seems to change every day. We are not claiming to be the ultimate authority on this case. So we are just going to present what we have learned. There won't be any way of getting this 100% accurate at this point. None of the information that we are going to present has played out in court, and very little of what we will present has come publicly from law enforcement. We have put this episode together using news articles, verified posts, and the website trinahunt.com. We also spoke to Jen Lamont, who has been running the online discussion in the Facebook and Reddit groups, as well as helping to create trinahunt.com. Jen, who unexpectedly became involved with this case, helped us to navigate this episode. So we have our own ties to the area that this happened in. We are both Vancouverites, and we have spent a lot of time in the Port Moody area. Yeah, I actually grew up in Port Moody. Uh, my family home was there. All of my schools were there. It was an incredibly safe and happy place to grow up. I had a pretty idyllic childhood in Port Moody. So when the news broke that Trina went missing, I was instantly drawn into the story. So Port Moody, while being its own city, uh, is sort of a suburb city uh, located in the lower mainland of British Columbia and the Vancouver area. It has a population of about 34,000 people. Port Moody is on the unceded traditional territory of the Coquitlam First Nations. The city is part of what's known as the Tri-Cities area, which includes Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam, and Port Moody. Port Moody is an amazing place to call home. There are really great neighborhoods, lots of outdoor space, and it has easy access to Vancouver and its surrounding areas. My family and I always used to joke that it was 30 minutes away from everything. Port Moody is policed by the Port Moody Police Department. But when larger files occur, like homicide or a suspicious missing person, they will pull in help from the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team from the RCMP. That department has better resources to investigate such cases. 
Trina's story takes place in an area of Port Moody known as Heritage Mountain. Heritage Mountain is a really nice area, very safe, very friendly, and there's a neighborhood feel that is not easy to find these days. Heritage Mountain is also a pretty well-to-do neighborhood with houses starting in the $1 to $2 million range and just goes up from there. So before Trina Hunt was married, she was known as Trina Ibbett. She has a pretty extensive family with strong ties to the Port Moody and Tri-Cities area. She attended Centennial High School in Coquitlam. Trina was known as being friendly, kind-hearted, and driven. People close to her talk about her big smile and her laugh. One family member shared that Trina's energy, joy, and laughter still lingers in people's lives and continues to do so, stating Trina has infectious enthusiasm and zest like no one else they knew. They still imagine her laughing and talking wildly with her animated hands. Trina could also be reserved. She wasn't one for too much social media or that kind of thing. Trina was also a well-educated working professional. She spent many years working for Shy Communications, and in 2019, she took an early retirement package. From what we understand, this was part of a restructuring that went on at all three of Canada's telecommunications giants. It looked like at that point, Trina was enjoying some time off before her next possible career move. But then, as we all know, COVID-19 hit in 2020. Trina had a good relationship with her family. She seemed to live an active and healthy lifestyle. She was also a foodie. Um, She loved cooking and hosting friends and family. By all accounts, Trina did not suffer from any mental health issues or health conditions. I'm sure the effects of the pandemic affected her like most of us, but there's nothing to point to depression or anything like that. Trina was also a stylish woman and seemed to enjoy high-end brands. In one photo, she can be seen sporting a Rolex watch, North Face vest, paired with hunter boots and a hunter umbrella. She was also well-traveled, and there's a photo of her smiling brightly at what looks like the top of Machu Picchu. Trina married a man who has been described as her high school sweetheart. Apparently, they met when they were 18 years old, when he had transferred from Port Moody Secondary to Centennial. His name is Ian Hunt. We have seen it reported that the couple had been married for over 20 years. Ian also comes from a Tri-Cities family, and it seems he grew up in the Coquitlam area. His last year of high school was at Centennial, where he met Trina. From 1992, Ian attended the University of British Columbia, getting a BLA in landscaping architecture. In 2003, he received a Bachelor's of Science in Construction Management, and in 2005, he earned a master's in business at the University of Phoenix. According to Ian's LinkedIn, he was the vice president of clean tech from 2005 to 2012, and then was promoted to CEO, a position that he held until March 2021, when, according to LinkedIn, he went on a sabbatical. Cleantech is a commercial cleaning company that is based in Richmond, British Columbia, that specializes in janitorial cleaning services for multiple sectors. As a volunteer, he lent his time to the BC Contract Cleaners Association and the Richmond Hospital Foundation. He once raised over $6,000 for the Easter Seals Foundation by rappelling down the side of a 20-story building. In his About Me section on his LinkedIn page, he states, I value family, at home and at work, integrity, leadership, reliability, and passion. I love to travel, to really experience new places, new foods, and new ideas. Like Trina, Ian was also a stylish, mid-40s professional who seemed to enjoy fashion, sharp men's suits, ties, and sporting a Rolex watch. From the outside, the couple seems to have it all. In 2006, they bought a stunning home on Hawthorne Drive in Heritage Mountain. From what we gather, there is no mortgage on the house. 
In the driveway is a charcoal gray BMW 3 Series and a white Mercedes GLE SUV. They look like a couple who have worked hard and become quite successful in one of Canada's most competitive and challenging regions. This is a couple that does not fit the victimology of most of the crimes or missing persons cases that we've covered. So what happened? We are going to start out pretty wide on this episode and get more finite as we go along. There is a lot to get through. On January 18th, 2021, British Columbians were hit with the news that Trina Hunt was reported missing. The details at the time were as follows. Trina Hunt has been missing since Monday, January 18th, when the 48-year-old was last seen by her husband around 6 a.m. at their home in the city's Heritage Mountain area. This was reported as being unusual behavior for Trina. Her family was very concerned for her well-being. Trina was described as being 5 foot 4 inches tall, 120 pounds, and was believed to be wearing a black North Face jacket with a green collar and pink and purple running shoes. Trina's husband, Ian, reported her missing Monday evening when he returned from work and she wasn't there. Police stated that the investigation is very active and ongoing. Searches began for Trina immediately. The focus of the search was on the deeply wooded area that surrounds their Heritage Mountain home. This area has dense forest, trails, creeks, and has a large amount of ground to cover. The lower mainland of British Columbia has some of the best search and rescue teams in the world. Helicopters were brought in and the community galvanized to help in the search. These searches went on for days. The working theory was that Trina had perhaps gone for a walk or a hike and had found herself in trouble on the trails. This actually does happen. In fact, a missing hiker and her dog were rescued in 2019 by Coquitlam Search and Rescue after being stuck overnight near Bunsen Lake. So as the search for Trina intensified, Port Moody police canvassed the area for video footage. They requested that any footage and tips be sent to the department for further investigation. Hours of CCTV footage from home security cameras and dash cam were combed through by investigators. On the ground, hundreds of volunteers showed up to walk the trails and creeks of Heritage Mountain and beyond. Then, on the seventh day of searches, the Ibbett family, which is Trina's side of the family, released the following statement. It has been one week since Trina disappeared. We are dedicated and determined to bringing Trina home. Our focus is supporting Trina's husband, parents, and brother through this unprecedented time, while continuing to explore all avenues that may lead to the whereabouts of Trina. The family also said that a video message intended for the public and media to be aired was called off after consultation with the Port Moody Police Department. This is the first time that we have heard publicly that a video plea was called off for a missing person case. It makes us wonder what the police knew then. After the first week of authorities coming up empty-handed, the official searches began to scale back. Another statement from the family came out saying that, at this time, the community ground search is on hold and the Volunteer Command Center will wrap up this evening. We would like to thank the community members of Port Moody and beyond for supporting us in our search to find Trina. Our family has been overwhelmed with gratitude for the countless hours spent searching Heritage Mountain by hundreds of volunteers. On February 17, 2021, Port Moody Police Department released a statement that numerous investigative resources had been utilized in their search for Trina, including RCMP Air Services, Coquitlam Search and Rescue, the Vancouver Police Marine Unit, and the Lower Mainland Integrated Police Dog Service. 
They go on to say that their investigators have pursued available avenues of inquiry, including minute-by-minute examination of a massive amount of recovered CCTV footage, tips from the public, and numerous in-person interviews. They also contacted their partners at the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team of the RCMP to investigate suspicious missing persons cases where foul play is suspected. In the same statement on February 17th, Port Moody Police would state that, At this time, evidence indicates that this missing person case does not meet IHIT's mandate. Cue needle coming off of a record sound effect. So wait, we have a missing, healthy 48-year-old woman who is nowhere to be found, and law enforcement are publicly stating that it doesn't meet the requirements of a major crime. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this was actually a strategic move on their part, or their hands were tied by the requirements. Because there were some curious behaviors and rumors that were coming to light. You see, it turns out that people were starting to notice things. As it turns out that Ian, Trina's husband, had not taken part in any of the searches. He was also not at any of the online vigils. And it was not lost on anyone that he had not made a public plea or done any media interviews. Now, he is under no obligation to make a public plea or do an interview at all. And it could be argued that he shouldn't take part in searches. As we all know, the husbands are often the usual suspect. So, again, it could be argued that if he took part in a search and maybe found anything, it could be incriminating for him or it could present a defense for the possible perpetrator. For example, if someone was arrested and it was the husband who found evidence, it could be argued by a defense attorney that the husband did it. Because how else did he know where the item was? So maybe, and this is a big maybe, he was asked by authorities to take a back seat. Personally, if I was asked to take a back seat by the authorities and my partner was missing, I would probably be on TV every day and searching every day anyway. It should be mentioned that it was revealed by family members that at a recent family meeting, Ian told Trina's family that he had indeed taken and passed a polygraph test. But it seems that the longer Ian stayed out of the spotlight, the more the online community started to dig into his life and his behaviors. Ian's absence has led to a lot of online speculation and sleuthing. A Reddit group, a Facebook discussion group, a website and a few YouTube channels have dedicated themselves to uncovering answers. Inside of these groups are folks who have stated that they are co-workers of Ian, former co-workers of both Ian and Trina, friends of Trina and Ian, neighbors, and family members. The Facebook and Reddit group is being led by normal, everyday citizens who are not connected to Trina. This group of people has actually uncovered what could be some significant details that could lead to an explanation of what happened to Trina Hunt. They have constructed a timeline of events that is posted to TrinaHunt.com. So let's get into that after a quick break. Have you ever wondered what the real story is behind those scandalous food headlines? Every day we are bombarded with marketing messages and claims about what we should eat and who we should trust. 
As consumers, it can be challenging and time-consuming to dive into the research and find out what's really going on. And that's where we come in. Welcome to Dietetics After Dark, the podcast where true crime meets food. I'm Sarah. And I'm Becca. And each week, we use our backgrounds in nutrition and criminology to uncover the stories behind nutrition and food-related scandal, crime, and fraud. We cover everything from organic food fraud and the European horsemeat scandal to the McDonald's hot coffee lawsuit and Mexican avocado cartels. If there's scandal and it has anything to do with the food industry, you can bet it's on our radar. Diving into each story, we uncover the science behind nutrition myths, we debunk misinformation within the food industry, and we offer an evidence-based take on what actually happened. Should you really be scared of those ingredients? What do our food labels actually mean? And so much more. So if you love food as much as you love a good mystery, you've come to the right place. Grab a snack, get cozy, and get ready to dive into the weird and wonderful world of dietetics after dark. We've been inundated with um, calls and comments from the public. We understand the impact that that investigation has had on the Tri-Cities community and, and beyond, quite frankly. We are working extremely hard on that investigation. It's an active and ongoing investigation. And right now isn't the time for me to comment, for us to comment on that particular case. That time uh, may be coming soon, not now. And we are back. That was a soundbite from Sergeant Frank Jang, the media spokesperson for IHIT. Before the break, we did our best to give you the broad strokes of Trina's disappearance. Essentially, Ian claims to have seen Trina at home when he left for work at 6 a.m. on Monday, January 18th. Then he returned home later that afternoon, and she was gone. So we are now going to get into some more finite details. We are going to read the timeline that was created and published by TrinaHunt.com. Parts of this timeline were reported in the Tri-Cities News on May 5th and again on Global BC on May 10th. We have also added some details that we think are important. So here is that timeline. We will be repeating some information we stated earlier in the episode, but we just want to slow walk through this timeline. On Thursday, January 14th, 2021, Trina is seen on CCTV footage shopping. On Friday, January 15th, 2021, Trina texted with a friend in Ottawa. They talked about having a virtual cocktail hour over the weekend. We have also heard that in that afternoon, she was browsing houses online. On Saturday, January 16th, Ian says that he and Trina took a day trip to Hope, British Columbia. He stated that there were no stops and that they took the gray BMW 3 Series. He also states that they took no phones with them due to a digital detox and that he was not sure of what time they returned, but they were back in time to watch a movie. We now know that Ian stated that they went to visit a campsite that they had stayed at in their 20s. Keep in mind that this is January in Canada. The campground we believe this to be is Ross Lake Campground, but there are quite a few campgrounds in that area. 
Hope, incidentally, is a 149-kilometer drive from their home. This would have taken them about an hour and 40 minutes to drive, one way. On that same Saturday, two text messages from an old co-worker of Trina's went unanswered. On Sunday, January 17th, Ian said it was a quiet weekend. When asked about what Ian and Trina did on Sunday, the answer given to family and people who were concerned about Trina was vague. As it stands now, no one really knows what happened on Sunday. Also on Sunday, January 17th, Ian would post to his Pinterest page a meme of a kid giving the middle finger. The caption on the meme was, Sorry if I offended you, but maybe you needed to be offended. Here's my apology, and one more thing, fuck you. Also on Sunday, January 17th, at 4.33 p.m., Trina's phone responds to some texts, including that of a former coworker. The writing style and curtness and lack of emojis was very unlike Trina. At 7.19 p.m., a second text replying, Amen! exclamation mark, was sent. Trina had never used that word in the past. On Sunday evening, Ian reports that he did not set the house alarm that night because he was leaving for work early on Monday and he didn't want to wake Trina up. In the houses on Hawthorne Drive, the alarm pad is in the hallway outside of the master bedroom. Unsetting the alarm would cause two beeps, but unsetting it and leaving in the morning does not cause any continuous beeping to wake someone up. Trina was quite diligent about having the security alarm on and the windows and doors closed at night. During the day on Monday, January 18th, there was no activity on Trina's mobile phone nor her laptop all day. Then she missed a telephone appointment at 1 p.m. Then on Monday, January 18th at 4.30 p.m., Ian returns home to find Trina's wallet, keys, phone, and car at home, but no Trina. The front door was unlocked with no visible signs of forced entry. At 5 p.m., just 30 minutes later, Ian phoned police to report Trina missing. So it was that evening that Port Moody police canvassed the area and began searching, requesting video footage, etc. They did use scent dogs around their home. Uh, unfortunately, no scent was able to be picked up. And it was in the following days that the first community searches would take place as well. Then, as we previously stated, on January 21st, the uh, Port Moody police said they were calling off the search uh, of Heritage Mountain. Then they released that statement on February 17th, where they said that IHIT couldn't help them. And then on Sunday, February 28th, a GoFundMe page was set up to help assist with finding Trina that's currently sitting around $22,000. On Monday, March 1st, a large banner was unfurled and an appeal was made by family and friends at a major overpass in Port Moody. Ian did not attend for what was described as security reasons, but a statement from him was read for him by a family member. Here is the statement that he wrote. Quote, the past six weeks since Trina's disappearance have been a devastating and incredibly difficult time for me and everyone who knows my wife. I feel the same frustration and incomprehension that her parents, family, and friends share in not knowing what has happened to Trina. I am confident that the police are doing all they can to solve this case, and I am hopeful that they will bring Trina home. On Wednesday, March 10th, Ian's employment as CEO from January 2013 to March 2021 at Cleantech Service Group ended for unknown reasons. 
On LinkedIn, Ian reported he is taking a sabbatical. Cleantech services removed all photos and mention of Ian Hunt from their website and social media channels. On Monday, March 29th, the first of three sets of human remains are found. Two are found in Hope, British Columbia, and the other was located in Mission, British Columbia. On March 30th, there was another body found in Rocky Point Park in Port Moody. And from what we understand, that was sadly a suicide and not related to Trina. On Wednesday, March 31st, another set of human remains are found in Hope, British Columbia. We know that this is a lot of missing people and found remains, but just stick with us here. Basically, IHIT just started ruling out remains of the many missing people in the Lower Mainland at this time. On Sunday, April 18th, a candlelight vigil for Trina was held by family and friends at Rocky Point Park in Port Moody. Ian did not reportedly attend. So on April 22nd, a new missing poster was designed and distributed with updated information. So the original poster had just Trina's photo on it and was very much centered around Port Moody. However, this new poster had both Ian and Trina's photo on it, as well as the couple's two cars. This time, this poster was distributed from Port Moody out to Hope, and it was imploring people with any information about any sightings in Hope to come forward. As far as we know, this poster was not created by the family or law enforcement, but by the online groups of web sleuths. Then, sadly, on Saturday, May 1st, I hit reports that one set of human remains found in Hope on March 29th were identified as Trina Hunt. They would go on to say that foul play is suspected. These remains were found south of Silver Creek. We believe that Trina's remains were found along or near Silver Skagit Road. According to footage aired on Global News, this remote road has a steep bank that goes into a river on one side with mountains and dense forest on all sides. It is believed that Trina had been found by a hiker. On May 1st, after the news broke, immediately the home on Hawthorne Drive becomes a place for people to come and pay their respects. Flowers, including purple tulips, which were Trina's favorite, are placed on the lawn. News outlets from across the Lower Mainland attend the scene. Then, also on May 1st, IHIT announced that no one is in custody. So that's the timeline that was created on TrinaHunt.com. Again, this is not our timeline, but we have been able to verify most of these facts. So we know that that was a lot of times and a lot of dates, so we're just going to quickly summarize here. Essentially, Trina was last seen on CCTV footage on Thursday, January 14th. She texted with a friend in Ottawa on Friday, January 15th. Apparently, these texts were to organize a virtual cocktail party over the weekend. Then, from that day until Monday, January 18th, Ian is the only person who can verify where she was. He allegedly claims that they had a no-phones trip to Hope on Saturday and then we're back in time to watch a movie that evening. He said that the digital detox idea was because Trina was feeling weighed down by the endless news about COVID and Donald Trump. So they decided to go and not use their phones. So the couple had gone on destination drives before, like to a dairy farm and destination-type places like that. Ian told the family that he and Trina drove that day in the middle of winter 
to revisit a campground that they had went to in their 20s. Like we stated, there are three campgrounds south of Silver Creek, but we have also heard that the campground they went to in their 20s was Ross Lake Campground, which is actually another 60 plus kilometers away from Hope. And not only that, it's down a windy rural road and the Google Maps uh, estimate is another two hours and 50 minutes from Hope. So we're looking at like a nine hour round trip. And that's without any pee breaks, sightseeing, food breaks. That's if they just strictly drove there and said, there it is, and then drove back home. So that's an insanely long drive. So then on Sunday, Trina allegedly returned some text to a former coworker, but the language she used didn't seem like her usual self. Here are those texts. Sunday, January 17th, 4.33 p.m. Trina, too funny, exclamation mark. Delayed response because I'm trying a digital detox this weekend. Haven't touched the phone all weekend. Friend, wow, good for you. Must be so much harder stuck at home. Then, at 7.19 p.m., Trina responds, Amen. She does not mention hope at all or a day trip in this text exchange. Then, on Monday morning, Ian leaves the home at 6 a.m. Trina is allegedly there. He returns home at 4.30. Trina is not there. The door is unlocked, and her keys, phone, wallet, and car are at home. Then, just 30 minutes later, he reports her missing. 30 minutes later, half of an hour, You would think that someone coming home, if I came home and my husband was missing, I would call my parents, his parents. I'd probably go for a walk to like usual spots that we go for a walk and try to see if he's there. I would text him. I would call him. I certainly wouldn't be calling the RCMP within 30 minutes because I think that's a little too quick to be reporting somebody missing. On Monday at 10.35 p.m., The same friend would send the following text message. Trina, I just received something and I'm hoping it's a hoax or some kind of cruel joke. Are you okay? This text would be read, but not responded to on Monday night. Clearly the news had gotten to her friend that Trina was missing. Clearly the news had gotten to the friend that Trina was missing. But who read her texts? Then, on March 29th, her remains are found where? In Hope, British Columbia, the very same place that they had gone for their digital detox drive. So that is the timeline and the summary of the timeline. But some other details have also come to light. So let's talk about those and some of the finer points of this case after a quick break. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. And we are back. The following clip is Stephanie and Colin Ibbett, who are family members of Trina's, speaking to Romina Dea of Global News. It's a cold Monday morning, March 29th, when human remains are discovered south of Silver Creek in Hope. And my heart just dropped, and we were just on edge all week, waiting for information. But another 32 days pass before Trina Hunt's family is told the remains found in Hope are Trina's. It was just anger like I've never felt before. There was like, there was no love left in my heart that day. It's been almost four months since 48-year-old Trina vanished. The front door was unlocked, the, the alarm was unset, and then yeah, her keys, wallet, cell phone, car was all, was all there, but not her. The digital detox text message sent from Trina's phone back in January Odd, says her cousin. I think it's uh, possible that it wasn't her. During a family meeting, Stephanie Ibbett says Trina's husband explains. The digital detox came up and it was just said that she had needed a break from COVID and Trump on the news and they decided to take the weekend away from their cell phones. For the for that to be the, you know, the precursor to her going missing, it just seems strange. There's no question. Ibbett says Ian told the family he and Trina went to Hope two days before she was reported missing. They would go on long drives with purpose, such as going to the dairy farm, um, but they went to Hope to revisit a campground that they had visited in their 20s. The part that makes no sense for me is the, is the drive to Hope on the Saturday without cell phones, and then she is found in Hope. We heard that he took a lie detector. Is this true? Do you have any information on that? He, he told us that he took one and he passed. We reached out to Ian, no response. I know no. these things take time, um, and I know they can't share with us every single thing that they got, because obviously that would, wouldn't be right. So I, I just, I, I have to have faith and trust that, that, that they're doing what they need to do. Trina's cousins grateful to every single person for their help and support, but they're asking the public to dig deep again, this time for any information about anything suspicious in the Hope area the weekend of January 16th. Finally, one last plea. The person that did this needs to come forward and they need to put an end to this because they're not going to escape it. It's, it's time to put an end to the suffering, the indignity done to Trina. It's time to come forward and to do the right thing. So clearly there's a lot of pain for the Ibbitt family but there are also a lot of questions, um, and we have those same questions. So we are now going to take a moment to talk about some of the rumors that have been going around. These are, as of now, just rumors, but that is the nature of this case at the moment. Before we do that, we want to acknowledge that there have been some blatant lies and trolling that have happened. Most notably, someone created a fake dating profile of Ian that had a bio asking for a replacement for his wife who went missing. Sadly, this kind of stuff happens and the internet is just a shitty place. 
Obviously, Ian has had his social media and life closely monitored by the public in the last few months. Neighbors are reporting stuff to online groups. Folks are driving down Hawthorne Drive and reporting what they see. Former co-workers are reporting stories of what it was like to work with Ian. Other information is coming out from people close to the family, and there's just a lot going on. We have heard many rumors from infidelity before Trina went missing to recreational ski trips while searches were happening. Now, of course, people can go skiing and people do have affairs. None of this necessarily points to murder and it is all still a rumor at this point. But in the context of a homicide case, it doesn't look good. Another thing that raised eyebrows was that the GoFundMe that was established to help find Trina did not receive a single donation from the successful CEO. I don't think this would have raised so many eyebrows if his presence was felt on the ground or in the media. But here we are. The last rumor we want to mention is a pretty big one in our opinion. A group of people drove out to Hope recently and canvassed the area. They brought the missing posters that showed the cars along with side-by-side photos of Trina and Ian. It has been reported in the online groups that the BMW was allegedly seen at the Flying J Travel Center in Hope on that weekend. The Flying J is a truck stop type place with fuel pumps, a subway restaurant, a convenience store, a trucker's lounge, and showers. So those are just some of the rumors, and really, this is either some great online sleuthing or a tragic example of tunnel vision. Yeah, some of you may remember how Morbid, aka Pablo Vergara, was hounded mercilessly by an online mob in the wake of the Elisa Lam death. Okay, so let's hammer into this just a little bit more. Let's get into our biggest observations here. First off, there are no other eyewitnesses that saw Trina after Thursday, January 14th, besides, of course, the text exchange she had on Friday afternoon. So what happened between Friday and Monday at 5 p.m. when she was reported missing? Another huge issue here is the whole digital detox thing. Yes, we all need less screen time, but taking a three to five or nine hour trip if they're going to Ross Lake with your partner would require most people to bring a phone. You take pictures, you pay for things, you might need Google Maps, you play music, you get bored. You want to have it on you in case you get a flat. Or what if your family or friend has an emergency? It also has to be said that it is possible that when the Port Moody police called off the search that they knew something then. They came across some footage or something that just didn't add up for them. On that same note, it's also quite possible that I hit purposefully said that they didn't have enough to go on. Doing a true crime podcast, you get used to some police tactics. This is the same police that will run a Mr. Big sting for two years on someone. It's not that out of the question to say that they were playing a long game when they said they didn't have enough to go on. Or they just didn't have enough to go on. So RCMP recovered Trina's remains at the end of March. While IDing them can take time, it's curious that they held off announcing that it was Trina until May 1st. Again, it's very possible that this was on purpose. We also have to look at the wording that the police are using. Law enforcement rarely misspeak. They are currently saying that remains were found. They are not saying body. This could mean a myriad of things. 
There could be an advanced stage of decomposition since it was a wet and cold end of winter in that area, or it could mean that they are also dealing with an indignity to a body charge, meaning that someone tried to dispose of her body with fire or chemicals. Something has occurred for them to say remains rather than body. The area her remains were found has been the topic of much debate. The Silver Skagit Road is quite a remote road and has a lot of potholes. It's kind of a slow road. In January, it could have had some snow on the ground. Most people use trucks or 4x4s in this area. A high-end charcoal gray BMW 3 Series would have stuck out. Were you hiking or traveling in that area on the weekend of January 16th? The sun would have set around 4.37 p.m. that day. The weather was cool and chilly with a low of 2 and a high of 7. If you saw anything that weekend or have dash cam footage, contact iHit. So the last discussion point is, and this is the biggest one, how did Trina get to Hope? If the couple came back on Saturday, why was she still there? So let's do an experiment. We need to emphasize that there are currently no charges at the time of this episode. So what is another theory here? Let's just walk through it logically and let's take her husband out of the equation. So the couple do their thing all weekend, road trip, digital detox, and have a quiet Sunday. Then on Monday, one of three things happens. The first one is that Trina chooses to go to Hope on her own and meets with foul play or possibly self-harm. Except Trina doesn't have a history of mental health issues and Trina did not take her car, her keys, her phone, or her wallet. She didn't even use her phone or laptop that day. And she left the door unlocked. It doesn't make any sense. She would have had to take several modes of public transportation to get out to Hope from Port Moody. So the second possibility is that Trina was abducted from her home and taken to Hope. But here's the thing. This is a nice neighborhood, and it would be incredibly difficult to abduct a grown woman in this neighborhood without a single person seeing or hearing something. And even if that did happen, stranger abductions in Canada are exceedingly rare. In fact, Canadians are more likely to commit crimes towards someone that they know. Also, the last major kidnapping in Port Moody was in 1976, and that person was a child. So the third possibility is that Trina went to meet someone. This person ended up taking her to Hope, but she had an appointment at 1pm that she would not have intentionally missed. She didn't use her laptop or her phone all day. Again, she left her phone, wallet, and keys at home. This means that the police have her phone and can see all of her messages. If she met with someone, it would probably be on her phone. And I guess there is possibly a fourth theory here um, that I'm just thinking of now, which is maybe the couple goes on their drive, they have a disagreement of some sort, and Trina leaves the car. But clearly, all these theories are kind of hard to reconcile. Are we missing something here? We just can't see any other plausible reason as to how Trina got to Hope except for the Saturday day trip. And when we look at Trina's victimology, she was not at all high risk. We do acknowledge that being a woman in itself is a high risk category with regards to intimate partner violence. However, Trina wasn't involved in criminality that we know of. There doesn't seem to be any money issues. She was healthy. She had a solid mental health profile and she was a functioning and successful suburban woman. 
So we have talked about a lot of stuff in this episode, and a lot of it is speculation, but some of it is fact. This is not usually how we do things, but this case is a new and active investigation. And like we said, at the start, this was originally being written as a tool to help find Trina. But with the announcement on May 1st, our trajectory changed on this episode. So what do we know and what can be proved with the publicly available facts? We know that she texted with a friend on Friday. We know that they took a trip to Hope on Saturday and took a digital detox. We know her phone responded to text messages on Sunday. We know that Trina was reported missing on Monday, January 18th at 5 p.m. The last person to see her was her husband at 6 a.m. Then her remains were found on March 29th in Hope, B.C. And we know that Hope, B.C. is where the husband said they went to. It is our theory that something happened to Trina between Friday, January 15th and Monday, January 18th. It either happened in Port Moody, and she was transported to Hope after, or it happened in Hope on the weekend. The Flying J sighting, when confirmed, will help tighten up this timeline. A big issue here is going to be determining cause of death. As we have learned in previous episodes, determining cause of death from remains can be challenging. And without cause of death, cases can be hard to prove. Not impossible, but hard. We know people want justice and want an arrest, but we believe that IHIT needs to move slowly and with purpose. We also want to state here that we know that the public especially has zeroed in on one particular person, and while we completely understand why that is happening, we'd like to encourage everybody to remember that there is a family grieving. This is a real person who met with an unfortunate end and to please be respectful when you are talking about Trina's case and engaging with anybody on these public um, social media groups. We know it's tempting to try to solve a case but you know this isn't CSI. This is a real person who has a family who is grieving and please just try to be compassionate and understanding of that. The threshold for the Crown Prosecutor in Canada to prove first or second degree murder is very high, and this case needs to be airtight. Another challenge that the investigation will face is that this started as a missing person case. When that happens, the focus is on finding the person and tracing their movements, not on containing scenes and looking for evidence of homicide. We have covered cases in the past, like Ben Tyner or Marshall Awasa, where because they focus so much on the missing person, Evidence is missed that could prove foul play. We want justice for Trina, and we want it done right. IHIT will keep its cards close to its chest and not release any information that will jeopardize this case. We 100% support this. We would rather have a publication ban and a solid case than have all of the information public and the case fall apart. On Wednesday, May 5th, Sergeant Frank Jang, the IHIT spokesperson, made the following statement. We understand the impact that investigations had on the Tri-Cities community and beyond, quite frankly. We are working extremely hard on that investigation. It's an active and ongoing investigation, and right now isn't the time for me to comment, for us to comment, on that particular case. That time may be coming soon. We're aware of the social media that's been circulating. I guess that probably speaks to how this has touched a lot of people. Homicide investigations touch all of us. But this one in particular 
seems to have really touched the heartstrings of a lot of people. I'll confirm this one thing for you. No one is in custody with respect to that. Not yet, anyway. Did you notice that he didn't appeal for the public's help anymore? And he also said, not yet, anyway. In the wake of the announcement on May 1st, the Ibbitt family on Trina's side have asked that donations be made to the GoFundMe campaign for Shailene Bell, a 23-year-old mother of two who was last seen January 30th, 2020 in Chilliwack, British Columbia. And we will link her GoFundMe on our Facebook page. Our hearts go out to the Ibbitt as well as the Hunt families. They are all victims of this unimaginable crime. Again, we would like to ask the public when you are engaging in these uh, Facebook groups or Reddit groups that to be aware that these family members are likely seeing what you're writing. So if you're talking about this case, please do so in a respectful, kind, and factual manner. We understand the desire to get involved and to help out. We would encourage the public to do these things by making other people aware of Trina's case, asking people for dash cam footage, any kind of sightings that they have from that weekend in Hope. But please refrain from making unsubstantiated claims on social media or anything else that might be hurtful to these people that have gone through an unimaginable tragedy. We would like to thank you for listening to this episode. It was not an easy one to research or record. If you have any information about Trina Hunt, if you think you saw her, her husband, or their gray BMW 3 Series, or the white Mercedes GLE in Port Moody, or the area of Hope near the Silver Skagit Road on the weekend of January 16th, 2021, please call IHIT or Crime Stoppers to remain anonymous at 1-800-222-8477. Our producers on the podcast are Amy's Book Reviews, Alberta Bly, Cindy McDee, Blair Martin, Alyssa Santos, Anastasia, Ariel Elliott, Melanie E., Kelly Donahue, Carolyn Moore, Emily L., and Jason Dallas. We will be back soon with another episode, so until then, stay safe, everyone. Stay safe, gang. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.